0: Get 60% off at babble.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Listen! Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking about Nintendo's quarterly earnings report and what... That means for the system going forward, Metroid's 35th anniversary, at least in Japan, Logan and Pears in progress review of the great Ace Attorney Chronicles, and more, like always. I'm your host, Casey DeFritis, and this week I am joined by Kat Bailey. Hello. Pearsnider. Yes. And Logan Plant.
2: I am back from the dead.
1: (laughs) Back from the dead. This time, hopefully, the heat will not melt your internet. I'm happy to have you back on. Thank you. my god,
2: the literally
3: melting your internet? That's insane.
2: Yeah, I got one sentence in on last week's episode and (laughs) then I was gone. I was out.
3: (laughs) Well,
1: I'm glad to have you back to talk about The Ace Attorney and other things, starting with Nintendo's quarterly earnings report, which we just learned about this morning. We're coming off hot off that news, so we're going to decipher it the best we can with the limited time we had with that information. But as of now... The Nintendo Switch has sold 89.04 million units, meaning a whole bunch of different things. It has now outsold the 360 and the PS3 in its lifetime. It will definitely outsell the Wii U and 3DS in sales combined during their lifetime by the end of this year because that was only uh 87.4 million units only has to sell half a million more and nintendo thinks they'll sell 20 million more before next march and this is just also going by um fiscal years by the way we call this the first quarterly report because fiscal years end in march and start in april so anything else that Any of you would like to pinpoint from this report? There's a lot of uh, cool information in here.
4: Oh my God, where to start? I know. (laughs) Go for it.
3: (laughs) The thing that jumps out at me is how insanely well Mario Kart continues to sell. It's actually creeping up on Mario Kart Wii, which is the all-time king of the series and should be able to surpass it come the next report. Somebody was observing, I think on Reddit, that basically it would be as if uh, Wii U owners purchased two copies of Mario Kart 8 uh, for their system. It's just yeah. ridiculously, well, Animal Crossing is not that far behind. It sold something like 33 million copies, mm-hmm. which is very, very good. It just shows it goes to show how successful that game was last year and how unfortunate it is that Nintendo hasn't supported it yeah. as well as they possibly could have. And then one more notable number for the all-time sales is that Ring Fit is at 11 million. I know that that stood out. Yeah.
1: And I also about Animal Crossing, just real quick. So the software sales for this year are a little bit down and sales for the switches overall are a little bit down as well. But I think we can really blame the pandemic on that for how successful 2020 was for Nintendo (laughs) overall, just how much it boosted sales. But last year during this quarter, there were 50 million software sales but 10 million of those were animal crossing mm-hmm. and there's no sta- extreme standout for this year's uh, this quarter's software sales which is 45.3 million though i do want to point out that i think three million of those is monster hunter rise and that's not including its launch weekend which was in march
4: that's right uh, nintendo did say that two third-party titles uh, broke a million uh, sales in, in the last quarter on the switch as well and obviously monster hunter um Monster Hunter is, is doing really well on their platform, but you know, to Kat's point, I'm actually curious to see the Animal Crossing. Will Animal Crossing be the kind of the system defining game going forward? Because it used to be like you know, NES was synonymous with Mario, and then you know, the Game Boy with Pokemon, and you know, argue Tetris, and then then the story became about Smash Brothers and Mario Kart really being the the big sellers that, that carried Nintendo platforms, and like. It's very possible that Animal Crossing will emerge as the top seller on the Switch. Mario Kart obviously isn't stopping selling. And as frustrated as we all are that there's no Mario Kart 9, it is working, right? Like this re-release keeps on selling. But Animal Crossing may either be a product of the pandemic where it was the perfect game at the perfect time, or it just might be the new It game. You know what Pokemon was for the Game Boy. Animal Crossing might be the new kind of handheld slash console hybrid game.
3: I think that even though Zelda has never sold quite as well as Mario and I think it's like number 3 on the best selling list with Breath of the Wild Zelda it has the biggest hit with the core fans of Nintendo that whenever Nintendo whenever anything Zelda is discussed like the numbers just go wild people really 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 love Zelda and in many ways it is kind of the flagship with the traditional gamer Uh, Mario, I don't think you should discount the power of a traditional Mario game across the wider pop culture because Mario is such a famous character. And then Mario Kart is the king of the party games, right? Like people, I mean, just look at, I already mentioned the uh, sales for Mario Kart 8. They are insane. It's because everybody looks at a Switch and goes, well, I wanted something to play with my friends. Buy Mario Kart 8, which is a phenomenal game. There you go.
4: It certainly bodes well for Mario Party making a return this year. I actually think that <laughs> I, I actually think that game will sell really, really well. But to your point on Mario, the NES Mario Brothers sold forty million copies, and then new Super Mario, uh, New Mario Brothers on the 3DS and Wii they both broke th- uh, thirty million, and they remain the top-selling Mario games. And there's been a little bit of a reversal where now Zelda is actually outperforming Mario, which is not a story we've seen on previous consoles, right? So definitely Breath of the Wild was a was a smart move and, like, busted open Zelda in a new way. But, like, I just find this tremendously exciting. Like, Nintendo sometimes reinvents their games. Like, you know, Odyssey uh, for Mario is the top-selling 3D Mario game. But, like, I'd be curious to see how a, how a brand-new, classic, good-looking 2D Mario game would sell now on Switch. I bet it would do really well.
3: I don't know because, I mean, obviously they had the new Super Mario games, as you already mentioned it, on the uh, the Nintendo DS and the original one sold extremely well. Yeah. But I, I, too, that series kind of ran out of gas over time. Uh, the art style never really appealed to me personally. Same. And mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. an open question about whether 2D, as much as I love 2D pixel art that's really good, whether or not it actually can hit with a mainstream audience as much as it breaks my heart.
1: Also, mm-hmm. just 2D Mario games in general. I mean, the ones that came out for the Wii U are also now out on Switch, and those, aren't in the, uh, those are not in the top 10, whereas Mario Kart 8 is also on the Wii U. I'm pretty U sure it's 11th.
2: Switch, I think that it, the Super 11th? Mario okay. game is 11th, and Ring Fit just passed it for this report.
1: <laughs> well, that's good to know. It's almost up there. But also back on the Animal Crossing point, I really think that the sales for Animal Crossing were kind of a fluke. I think it just became very prevalent in pop culture and a lot of people learned about it that otherwise maybe wouldn't have been interested in Switches otherwise. But as Pear said, it was the perfect game at the perfect time. I don't know if that would happen again, but maybe it created 33 million animal crossing diehards like who 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 knows like who knows if it just created 33 million million fans who will continue to buy those games in the future i guess we'll have to find out when the next animal crossing game comes
3: out i put 500 hours into that game (laughs) (laughs) but when it comes go ahead
4: no no i was gonna say like i was surprised to hear that this was really the first animal crossing you really got into and like my challenge is that that i get this and i i i spent like probably 150 hours or something in it too but like i'm getting this feeling of sameness right where mm. i'm of course i'm going to buy the next animal crossing but i'm not as excited about it as you know a, a new mario kart or a new mario or zelda adventure and like that that that's my question like when nintendo iterates on these franchises will will they run out of speed, steam or are there always enough fans new fans who are jumping on board to make them so viable
3: I think the thing with Animal okay. Crossing is, as sorry, I'll go, give you a second really quickly. But Stardew Valley shows the enduring power of these games. Right, you just got to keep supporting them. Put out a really big, meaty expansion of Animal Crossing. I'd be, bet people would come back. Uh, Nintendo allowed Animal Crossing to run out of steam, and that ultimately was the big problem. But release another Animal Crossing. Uh, add some new features and everything, I bet it would catch on. I mean, it might be a little bit of a fluke, as Casey was saying, because of the pandemic, but I still bet it would do very well. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think that it's, it's a little weird what happened to Animal Crossing because as far as content on day one, I felt when I was playing New Horizons last year that I had more to do than I usually did with an Animal Crossing game. Like, I feel like you usually pick up a new Animal Crossing game on launch and then after you play for like two hours on the first day, you're kind of out of stuff to do until tomorrow. And that kind of prevails, but then as you get further into it, like months down the road, you still are having things to do every day. But with New Horizons, it almost felt more like a regular game that has a definitive ending. And once you get KK to your island, you run out of things to do really fast. And I thought they were going to come back to this every month with new stuff, and then they just didn't. And I do think that that is going to hurt the next Animal Crossing's game sales. It's still going to do crazy numbers, but I don't think it's going to look like this because I do think. A lot of people just fell off when they ran out of things to do and are are probably not really thinking about Animal Crossing, about coming back to it or about the next one. So I also think that Mario Kart is going to stay at number one because I I do think that it was kind of lightning in a bottle for Animal Crossing. And I think that the game you get when you get a Switch is Mario Kart. And I think with the Switch OLED, we're going to see a lot of new Switch owners this year. and I think they're all just going to pick up Mario Kart with it because that's what so many people do.
4: I, I I'm I'm sure the next Animal Crossing is going to go to space, so it'll be very different. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I do wonder yeah. how much of the Switch's success has been around people double dipping, because compared, say, to the PS4, for example, like there are a lot of people who are like, I want my own Switch so that I can carry it around, mm-hmm. and I think that has been the secret boon for Nintendo in many respects. It, it's Thank the
4: you. it's why it's why you really can't compare console sales to like handheld or hybrid handheld sales, right? Like I I think I'm that 0.04 in the in the million sales of, of Switch <laughs> units because you know, like when when it was new, each one of my kids got one for Christmas and, you know, so there were already four in this household and uh, then certainly not as many PlayStation 5 or so Xbox Series X in this house. So um there's that, but Units sold is units sold,
3: and I'm updating uh, to a switch OLED, so (laughs) that'll be four switches in my household at that point. There you go.
1: It's entirely true, but I think we could also compare total switch sales to total 3DS and Wii U sales because there were that many. I mean, I own three different 3DSs in my in my lifetime, and you can say the same thing. Like if I had sisters or brothers or whatever, they would also have their own copy, and I think the switch set out to replace the, the the dual console model that nintendo had where they had both a home and handheld console at the same time and i think based on how it's going this year in a couple of months it will out have outsold the wii u and the 3ds combined with just the switch in these last couple of years and i think it's just proved that it can do better it can it yeah. does what it sets out to to try to do um even if it does have two different models out right now and people might have multiple switches in their household.
4: It's impressive, especially yeah. given the, you know, Nintendo catering to a more mainstream audience and that mainstream audience being so well served by mobile games, right? There, it, there's no doubt that more people play video games now than during the eight-bit and sixteen-bit days, right? So we're expecting expansion and bigger sales for for these devices. But they're they're three big devices in the market. PC gaming had a renaissance; It's huge, right? Core and casual PC gaming, and then mobile gaming on top of it. So it's it is it is an uh, an impressive achievement that the the Switch is. Like by end of the year, it's going to pass the Wii and the PlayStation, mm-hmm. the original PlayStation in sales. It's it's pretty impressive.
3: Both of those systems were incredibly successful, obviously. I think the Switch is, has really been served by the explosion of indie games and mid-market games because they really helped to paper over the rather large uh, content gaps of new releases for Nintendo. I mean, if you look at what is coming out this fall, it's actually kind of barren uh, from yeah. a third-party and Nintendo perspective. But it always seems like there's that one little game, like Hades or something, that mm-hmm. comes out and grabs everybody's attention and doesn't make the Nintendo feel quite so bad in those terms.
4: Yeah, and I'm curious if Shin Megami Tensei will have its moment in the spotlight this year, mm-hmm. right? Like that that game might be bigger than we than we think at this point. And I think
3: Mario Party is going <laughs> to blow up. I think of its M T five as it's quite a hardcore. Uh we'll see. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we'll see. I was actually gonna say, like, if it is as good as Persona Five, but even if it is even if it is, it is a little bit more hardcore and I think less accessible than Persona is. But I did want to mention that overall, like even though even though overall you're the entirety of the Switch lifespan, it's doing incredibly well. This specific quarter, it has been doing a little bit less well than it has previously. But is that just because we're comparing it to this To 2020, is it because there isn't an outstanding game for it for this quarter? It's a little bit of both.
4: I think it's hardware availability plus last year was really a boost. Um, And you know, if if Nintendo's competitors had had hardware in the market, I think they would have seen that same same boost. Um, Yeah, I I think and and I I don't want to undersell the impact that Animal Crossing made on their business as a whole. That was a that was kind of like a Pokemon Go or Wii Sports moment I think for Nintendo yeah. and it, they probably would have done even better if they had hardware in the market in Japan at the time. It was constantly sold out for the for last year.
1: Yeah, they're having a a really big problem. They're having a, a problem with Ring Fit as well and I wonder if that affected the sales either because maybe i know like sometimes i really want something and if it's sold out by the time it comes back i've lost interest and don't want it anymore i'm wondering if that uh might have been any effect with people as well looking for the Switch or ring fit
4: they'll, they'll double dip there'll be another ring fit
1: mm-hmm. i hope so it was a yeah. really cool game i appreciate that it it's good so we just talked about the Nintendo quarterly earnings report and also how the Switch is doing overall in numbers. But let's talk about something else, which is the 35th anniversary of Metroid. Specifically, Metroid launched in Japan for the Famicom Disk System on August six, 1986. That is, I know it's it's technically tomorrow if you're watching it on launch day, but might as well this week. Same thing, right? And it came to the U.S. on the NES in 1987. So a little bit, a little bit later. But let's celebrate it anyway because. I think everyone recognizes this year as the 35th anniversary of Metroid, especially with the release of Metroid Dread coming up later in the fall. So I wanted to ask everyone, what is your favorite Metroid game in the series and why? Kat, let's is, start with you.
3: <laughs> okay. Thank you, Casey. Not only do I, is Super Metroid my favorite game in the series, I consider it probably the single best game ever made. Just from a pure design point, that game is like a watch. It is so tightly wound, so tightly designed, it really blows my mind every time. It is basically a two-hour stretch at that. Maybe it can be stretched into like five, five, six hours of perfection. And we see it every time something like a speedrunning event happens where you see people coming in and finding new ways, new and interesting ways to break that game. It is held up magnificently over the years. It's still one of the most beautiful games on the Super Nintendo. It is really atmospheric. It tells a really nice story, but it is based, it is helped by its simplicity, because as we saw with Metroid Other M, that was a game that really struggled in many ways because it was trying to live up to the kind of the narrative and cinematic standards of that particular moment. And Super Metroid, on the other hand, you didn't really need a lot of dialogue. You just had these really small, simple vignettes that nevertheless still really resonate over all of these years. I mean, just look at the finale, which is incredible. Uh, No words exchange, but you understand the emotional import of that moment. And you just want to freaking cry when that little baby Metroid Mm -hmm. dies. Poor thing. I know it's such
4: it's such a great moment. You're, you're putting your finger on why Super Metroid is so great. It's like this, this setting. It's all about isolation. And actually, you know, I, I thought we were going in the wrong direction with like Metroid Prime 3 in the more chatty direction. Um, it was isolation and all the storytelling was in the environment. And then, you know, that interaction with Mother Brain and the, and the final Metroid moment was just so cool. Like I didn't, I played that game. I didn't expect that to happen, but it was like, of course, this is so brilliant brilliant such a great story of like it's almost like this enemy mine like hell in the pacific story where it's like your greatest enemy is also you ultimately your your greatest friend at the end um and also sparsely told i for me i've always been torn between picking between super metroid and metroid prime and that's because uh I you know Super Metroid was the first Metroid game I played. I didn't own an uh, NES and and explode those games later. And like Super Metroid, I I picked up and I was just blown away how much it was like a a two D Zelda, unlike Link's Adventure, a two D Zelda with the same kind of mechanics, but just such a different feel and and sound and look and setting. And then Metroid Prime Three to me was just like I I I never I would have never considered. A character-driven game like Metroid being able to to be made as a first-person game like that, and I just thought Retro did such a wonderful job translating it, where it still sounded, looked, and felt like Metroid, but then like brought in this kind of like almost Ocarina of Time setup. So I have a hard time picking between the two. I love them both dearly, and and that's not even to you know talk about Zero Mission. Like there's so many great Metroid games, and uh, I'm 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 hoping we'll see a return to form this year.
3: Yeah, Pear. I think Metroid Prime, it really changed our understanding of what a first-person shooter could be because when it came out in 2002, I think we still had a fairly narrow idea of, you know, an FPS. Like it was a run-and-gun arena shooter kind of setup. We were playing a lot of time splitters. We were playing a lot of Halo. So we weren't really used to a slower, more puzzle-oriented approach that Metroid Prime took. So I think that it was a pioneer of the genre in a lot of ways.
4: Yeah, no and I I was here when we reported on Metroid being first person and the <laughs> audience the audience was so furious because they didn't think really? half they didn't think Half-Life, right? They thought Serious Sam, or like, or Doom, or Quake, or something like that, and they were so mad at the prospect of not seeing uh, Samus on camera and just her visor. But then, of course, when the game came out, it so beautifully executed that morph ball, uh, third person uh, switch, and all of that. Yeah, it's it, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next 2D and 3D Metroids will bring. By the way, my dog is still alive, in, in case you're wondering. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, that's they how always- she sleeps <laughs> yeah look here
3: oh, oh my god <laughs> that's,
4: that's the the back of midna
1: oh my Aww. goodness
4: she sleeps like that for hours
1: if you want to see midna and on her all her glory good IGN games and check out the youtube video
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> logan what about you what is your favorite metroid game
2: yeah, Metroid is admittedly kind of a blind spot for me, Nintendo-wise. I'm actually, okay. I've declared this year the year of Metroid to uh, prepare for mm-hmm. Metroid Dread. I know a lot of people were doing that, just playing through mm-hmm. the the four main 2D ones. And I'm doing that as well, because the only one I've ever finished is Super. So I guess it's a good one to finish, because it, mm-hmm. is, it is amazing. Um, but yeah, just a couple other moments that haven't been mentioned yet. This is probably one of the most memorable things is that glass pipe that you run through just over and over throughout the game. And then the moment you finally get the bomb you need and, and you figure out you need to blow it up and you just open up this entirely new area, that is just incredible. And I couldn't even believe it at the time. And it, it's one of those things where you feel like the only person in the world who figured out that that <laughs> is a thing that exists and you just feel so smart and it's so well done. And uh, I also love the the opening. I'm now replaying Super Metroid because I finished Zero Mission and, and I've played Samus Returns and realizing now, going back in that order, that the opening is kind of a greatest hits of Metroid 1, and you revisit all these areas, that is, is super cool too, and I love how that's done, but then the world is just so much bigger than the original. So I, I really love Super Metroid, and it doesn't feel like it's a 25-year-old game at all. It feels like it came out in, in the last decade
4: you you put your finger on it the glass pipe was absolutely brilliant i had that same epiphany that you had where like you blow it up and you're like oh my god it was it was blow upable the whole time right like that <laughs> uh-huh. that something so big on the screen could be destroyed and open up a new area was, was it was in the really... commercials air like,
3: oh, if didn't you see watch those. the commercial you mm. watch the power bomb in the glass t- pipe oh, so that's i was like I gotta do it yeah, they spoiled That's it, literal. those monsters. Oh, my God.
4: Uh, and then, and then the, the other moments were the being able to see through walls. I'd never seen anything like that in games, and it just looked so cool, the Mode 7 effect on it. And then the concept of trying to outrun a crumbling platform, like just that feeling of, oh, I can beat this door, and trying again and again, uh-huh. and then finally figuring out that the solution was something else, that, that stuff was so great.
3: And in terms of underrated Metroid games, my first ever Metroid was Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. So I did not really know that the structure of the other Metroid games were different from that one. Because oh. that's the one where you go and you kill all of the Metroids throughout SR388. You know, you're committing Metroid genocide to Samus. But um, I, uh, I really enjoyed how spooky that game was, especially as you got closer to the bottom. And when you're fighting the Queen Metroid in that game, I mean, the way that the Queen Metroid fills up the tiny Game Boy screen, but you don't even notice how small the Game Boy screen is because the Queen Metroid looks just so massive by scale. It is really one of the most memorable battles in the entire series, especially if you roll into the Morph Ball, go into her mouth, go into her stomach, and then proceed to bomb her. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> this year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals, so I subscribed to a service that streams all of
4: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard
0: Kind. This is the story of Harry Dallowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
4: So if you like funny, true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Yeah, what I remember about Metroid 2 is that there you see like these corpses when you're nearing a metroid and so you know that you have to kind of gear up for this fight but That's then like, no, way later in the skin. game yeah and then way later in the game there's a moment where a metroid surprises you and it's the first time that you encounter one without seeing like that that skin on the ground beforehand and it's just a really terrifying moment so yeah that that game has great atmosphere for what it is i also really like metroid 2 on game Boy.
3: And then in Metroid Fusion, which Metroid Dread is in so many ways, just a big riff on Metroid Fusion, which I'm okay with. Metroid Fusion, I have some issues with the fact that it's so story-driven and so linear, especially compared to Super Metroid. But it is gorgeous. One of the most beautiful games on the GVA. And that moment at the end where, you spoiler alert, you come upon the Omega Metroid, and you get to see it in all of its 16-bit glory on the GBA. It's so cool. Yeah.
4: I love that too.
1: I did want to mention that so when I learned about Metroid, I I I don't know, I just already knew that Samus was a woman. But I know when the first Metroid came out, this was actually a secret and it was not marketed. Uh can one of you tell me more about how that was in the moment? Because I was not there for it.
4: <laughs> yeah, you had to enter the cheat code Cat Bailey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny, Metroid I was doing some reflection recently, and I thought, you know, I think Metroid actually is my favorite Nintendo franchise of all time. I just, it hits on so many different levels for me. I am a sci fan. I loved that Samus turned out to be a girl. Like I said, I played Metroid 2 for the first time. And, you know, you see this, you know, this, you see this power armor, and you played so many video games, especially in the 90s, you just automatically assume all the characters (laughs) are going to be boys because that's what you're kind of conditioned to be. And then I had a friend who was like, no, no, Samus is a girl. I'm like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it it, it awakens something in me, for sure. <laughs> so, um, But in terms of Samus being a girl, it's a, it, it was a really a last-minute throw-in by the development team. They hadn't really considered doing it. And then they're like, oh, what if we just throw that in as a cool surprise, as an Easter egg for people who managed to finish the game really, really quickly? And that created an entire uh, legend, I suppose, around Samus um, over the years. It's funny because if you read the old uh, instruction booklet for the NES game, they actually refer to Samus in with male pronouns. So even that so it was almost like a secret to the localization people. Oh, wow.
4: That's right. In Japanese, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, yeah. To, to me, like I, you know, I started with Super Super Metroid, and I think there was a uh, female character art already in the manual, so I never had that moment of of finding out through mm. finishing the game. But that is that's such a cool story, be too, and like it connects it back to the inspiration, right? Like Ripley from Alien and all of that. So um, no, it's uh, it, it, it's 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 neat. I wish Nintendo would continue to make more characters, new ones. <laughs>
3: Samus is such a cool and distinct uh, design. Um, Another thing that was interesting was so her power armor. In Metroid 2, when she gets the Varia suit, that is Mm -hmm. the first time the kind of iconic Metroid Samus look that we have come to know. And for example, Metroid Prime was shown. And a lot of that was because they couldn't do a palette swap like they could in the NES. So they had to actually functionally change her appearance and make her look bigger and stronger. And that carried over into the Super NES game. So there's a lot of little moments of serendipity that have defined Metroid over the years.
1: There's to Metroid. 35th anniversary. I hope Metroid Dread is good. I will play it. I will play that game. I will also go back and play some other ones. I had someone uh, yesterday tell me, he's like, well, if you think about it, you're really a hunter who hunts monsters in Metroid. So you have to play basically. <laughs> no, I'm, I know that's mm. like, it's fine.
3: <laughs> I metroid yeah, dragged jerks so we can get more of them. <laughs> also Ridley that is a, Ridley
4: is a dragon, too.
1: Yeah, basically. So I know. I, you I have need to play it, Casey. I got to go yeah. hunt the dragon. It's like in my that's blood. Right. No, But thank you all so much for talking about the 35th anniversary of Metroid. I'm sure we'll talk about Metroid way more when Metroid Dread comes out this fall. But let's talk about a game that is out now that isn't getting a ton of attention. The great be. Attorney Chronicles. Logan, thank you for joining. I know Logan and Pear have been playing this game. And I do want to say, I don't think we're getting an IGN review up anytime soon, maybe in the near future, but it's not up now. So, Logan and Pear, I wanted you to tell us your impressions of the game so far.
4: Well, I'm. You know, Logan is a turn of the century lawyer and knows much more about the franchise <laughs> and, and this title than I do. But like I, I, I started it. I'm I'm still on the on the first case. Um, uh, I think I'm in the third chapter. I've played most of the uh, the Ace Attorney games so far, and this one fits right. Like it's just the moment you start it, you're right back to that that kind of graphic novel uh, gameplay where. The the thing I love about this franchise is the, the character animations, the expressions, the ridiculous scenarios, the the melodrama, the yelling of objection and yes and all of that. And like every every time somebody points, the finger starts in the back somewhere miles behind the character and they go and they whip it around. It's just like it it's so lively and so fun for something that is essentially a collection of like still tableaus and like just animated characters. And then with it and and i love the characters in this one too and like applying this kind of you know turn of the century japanese um, setting and some conflict between you know uh, how japan and england are cozying up to each other it's really fun it still has the same limitations obviously remake but it has the same limitations that the ace attorney games always have and and many graphic novel and and multi-choice games is that Sometimes the the player is so ahead of the game that you're just waiting for your moment to say, "Oh, I know what the solution is," and the game will just talk and talk and talk and not always make it clear when your moment is to speak up. And that that's something that, you know, Capcom still hasn't solved with these games, and I'm I'm hoping they get to in the future.
2: Yeah, that is I, I've noticed that with this ace attorney game more than any other one in the series. Uh I think I think there's a number of reasons for that. I think it's because I am just so well versed in these games. Now I know exactly where they're going the second I see something. But I'm I'm in the fourth case now. Actually I'm in the fifth case. So I'm in the last case of the first game. There's two games in this in this set. And I do really love it because it is Ace Attorney, my favorite series of all time. But on the totem pole of Ace Attorney games, this is a lower ranking one. And there's a number of reasons for that. I think that the complexity of cases is not nearly as what it was in the original trilogy and even some of the later ones. And that's because the pacing is completely different than it is in the other Ace Attorney games. So Pear hasn't gotten to this point yet, but kind of the, the usual cadence of an Ace Attorney case is you investigate out in the field for a while, then you go to court, and then there's some big revelation in court, and the judge delays the trial one more day. You go back out and investigate and then you go back to court again. And sometimes you even do it a third time. But in this game, I'm through four cases, and so far they're either entirely in court or you only investigate at the beginning, and then you go to court, and then it ends. And it's so it... The complexity is held back by that because sometimes in older games, you discover, oh, the scene of the crime is actually at an entirely different location. And then you go back out and you investigate that place. And just what ends up being the truth of what happened is so wildly different than what it was originally presented as. And they still try their best to do that here. But... Like I said, when it's all happening in court and these big revelations are all coming out and then it's resolved, it it just holds it back a little bit from getting totally off the rails crazy like uh, some of the previous cases do. So that's...
4: that, that hidden object gameplay uh, angle that you're describing there, um, it's still present in that you can look at the evidence, but it's made really yeah. simple in that, you know, your cursor always indicates where there's something to find. And it's, it's, it's been so far, it's been really, really simple. Whereas like you, the later games have added more of the hidden object kind of like looking for clues in the real world stuff. And obviously the latent crossover, like took some of that stuff over from latent too. And mm-hmm. I, I've been missing that so far. I was hoping there would be more later in the game.
2: And I think that some of the positives that have kind of changed with that is I think it used to be a lot more evidence-based. Like you used to have this court record and you'd have like 20 plus pieces of evidence in this. In this game, I haven't really had more than 8 to 10 pieces of evidence. But the way they kind of compensate for that is there's a lot more interaction-based gameplay with witnesses. So this game, like they introduced in the latent crossover, they can call multiple witnesses to cross-examine at a time. So like, If one witness says something, then the other one will like freak out and you know that there's there's something going on and you press them to to hear what they're thinking. Uh, Or they have a new juror system, which they showed off in some of the trailers where you have six jurors, which is a first for the series. They've never had a jury before, and they will all make a statement on what they think happened. And you have to like interrogate all of them and pit these two jurors up against each other to find the contradiction. So they are evolving the gameplay to be more people and interaction-based than evidence-based, it's just, yeah, I just think that it's it's not quite as good as the peak of the series, which really is those first three games that are also on Switch that everybody should play. Yeah, What is the know. best, in your opinion? Which one's the best? Oh, um, I think pr- probably the first one is the best. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. My favorite is Apollo Justice, which is kind of a controversial pick. It's the fourth one in the series, but well, I think the first one just starts to finish is holds up. the best, up. I think? Three is great, too. Yeah, yeah three is my favorite. You can't go wrong. No,
4: I, I, and I'm I'm glad we're we got this remake because obviously it's one that that it hasn't that we hadn't seen in the West before, and it's cool that it comes so close after Famicom Detective Club 2, which by the way has some of the same issues where like the yeah. the player's knowledge sometimes outpaces the pace of the game, and it can get a little bit tedious. Um, but you know that's that's also because we're we're getting yesteryear's uh takes on this genre and, and and i think more modern games could fix a lot of that stuff but i hope man the animations are so good though
2: yeah they're great i hope i'm not getting too far into the weeds on this but just from like a basic standpoint the music is outstanding and the writing is hilarious you've seen him a bit in the video if you're watching the video version herlock sholmes is a gem he is one of my favorite ace attorney characters he is so funny uh, and just so well written, and I, I love the role that he plays in the game. And just as a huge fan of this series, I never thought we were going to see these games. I was resi—I imported a Japanese 3DS and uh, a copy of the game and installed the fan translation, and wow. then two weeks later they're like, we're bringing it over! So that's, that's just <laughs> my luck. Uh, but I was resigned that we were never going to get these, and I'm just so thrilled that they are here, and they seem to be selling well in the West. A uh, cat was saying they're not doing too well in Japan, but I really hope that this is kind of a gateway for more people to play this series, since it is on Switch, which has been a gateway for a lot of people to get into series they haven't tried before.
1: Yeah, cat, can you reiterate? Like, how badly is it doing in the, in Japan? <laughs>
3: something I like 5,000 copies on Switch last I checked uh, Nintendo. But on the other hand, as Per was pointing out, it also has already come out in Japan, mm-hmm. so for a lot of people it would be a double-dip. Yeah. This is much more a Western-oriented release, which, frankly, is the case for a lot of Japanese games these days. Yeah, that's true. I'm still
4: hoping we'll get...
3: Uh, finally,
4: somebody does Goemon justice, too. You know, if Konami returns to glory, then we'll get the, the games we never saw in the West.
1: But if you're interested in the in Ace Attorney in general, Capcom wants to know if you'd buy more if they made more, and there is actually yes. a very large. Uh, <laughs> you can go do this um, form on their websites that asks you a bunch of questions about if you would buy one if it came out and if you would if you're considering purchasing the great ace attorney chronicles as well so if you are interested in capcom making more of these go and do that survey on their website you could, i'm sure you can find ign's article about it you search up like capcom ace attorney survey so go check that out and maybe capcom will listen if enough people fill that out i mean it seems like nintendo listened when enough people said they would buy a warioware game right Or maybe that's just how they base their their pricing (laughs) who
0: knows
1: (laughs) but thank you so much logan and pair for talking about the great ace attorney chronicles and your experience with it so far let's talk a little bit about some more news and with more news we have cat so cat you interviewed the metal slug tactics folks can you tell us a little bit about that
3: yeah if you haven't been paying attention to metal slug tactics it literally it takes metal slug puts it into an isometric point of view, and turns it into Into the Breach. We saw a announcement trailer during E3, but we didn't learn a ton about the actual gameplay. I had a chance to talk to the developers over at .emu about what it's going to ultimately look like. Some interesting tidbits. It's going to be more story-focused than a lot of Metal Slug games have been in the past. Traditionally, Metal Slug is a very arcade game, but apparently there's a lot of lore. And we're going to discover this thing in Metal Slug Tactics. You're going to have teams of three, and you will be able to summon vehicles or find them on the battlefield. It moves at an extremely quick pace. You're supposed to be finishing maps in like a maximum of, say, nine turns. It is a roguelite, much like Into the Breach once again. You'll be unlocking a lot of different characters, a lot of different vehicles. There's a ton of fan service for Metal Slug fans. It looks absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, with the pixel art and everything. So go and check out my interview with the Metal Slug Tactics folks over on the site. And a side note, Dot Emu was just purchased by Focus Home Interactive. Dot Emu has had a lot of success recently. They obviously did the Wonder Boy games. They did Streets of Rage 4. They're going to be doing a new beat 'em up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And looking ahead, maybe they want to make the definitive Terminator game. I guess we will see.
4: Well, I'm hopefully the Switch version of Metal Slug Tactics, right? Like that was when I when I first saw the announcement, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is on Switch. It's like the, the kind of crossover of Advance Wars, which wasn't announced yet. Right. The, the remake. Yeah. Advance Wars and Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy Tactics that we want. Um, and then, yeah, no announcement came. So I, I, I got to think it'll it'll be here.
3: Eventually. Yeah, I specifically asked them about other consoles because so far they've only announced a PC release and they yeah. did the whole song and dance. Like, well, we'd love to, you know, release it on console. We'll see, et cetera. I'm like, come on, don't be silly. It's going of to be on will. a Nintendo yeah. switch. And, and if you've
4: never played Metal Slug, uh, to me, always uh, I, the, just the machinery has always been so cool those crazy like tanks mm. with those giant treads and everything and it it reminded me a little bit of commando and contra but then had more of this kind of anime style on top of it um i always liked those games slow down and all and like seeing that world done as a tactics game is really cool
3: it's so beautifully animated yeah uh, in general one of the finest looking 2d pixel art games of all time which is one of the reasons that it's held up so well over the years, even with kind of dodgy emulators. But yeah. actually one of the things that Lake here was saying is that when they initially pitched the game, they did a prototype just to make sure that they could do the pixel art because they were pretty worried that they couldn't actually pull it off and they couldn't use any of the original assets from Metal Slug because it's all in
2: isometric, so they had yeah, to do it right. all from scratch. Yeah, that's great. It looks awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks really cool.
1: Very cool. Thanks, Kat for that update. Um, Also, Mario Golf, the the first new DLC or free content update for Mario Golf Super Rush is coming out later today. Because it's coming out today, which is the day that we are recording this, we don't know specifically what it does. For example, there's improved motion controls, but we don't really know what that means. So we'll have to try that out and check it out. But we're also getting ranked matches, Toadette, and a new Dock City course. That's all we know so far.
3: It ended up selling pretty well, if I recall from the over a million. Results. It
1: is, yeah, it over is over a
3: million already, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: In in uh, just a couple of days, right? Because it it was the end of the quarter, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Like, golf game. That's great. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm I'm wondering if uh the ranked matches will make people come back to play it. I wonder if they're going to have rewards attached to their ranks, which I think would have a lot of people. Kind I of think that that on was hand.
2: one of the. One of the pictures they posted is that if you get like a minus rank, you can unlock three different Yoshi colors or something like okay. that, which is very similar to what they did with tennis.
1: Okay, cool. So maybe you want to go and check out the Super. I keep, I always mess this up, Mario Golf Super Rush. I want to say Super Mario Golf, and that's not what the name of this is Mario Golf Super Rush. I just need to say it 10 million more times, and I will super never Mario get it wrong ever Golf again. Super
3: Rush. No, it's Mario Golf Super Rush. Man, yeah. That is a mouthful. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a okay. yeah
1: not totally just me, but the new Doc City horse also looks very cute and interesting. So yeah, go check that out if you're Mario, Mario Golf fan. There's also uh, the new Pokemon Snap update, which came out this week. There are three new levels with both night and day, so that actually technically brings it up to six. 20 new Pokemon, more interactions. Uh, one new legendary Pokemon that you should keep your eye out for. And they've also included some more quality of life updates. For example, if you with a, a course, you can go back to camp without having to look at your photos and just other really small things like that that just makes it a little bit more streamlined. Is any, any, are any of you going to go back to check out I, more Pokemon Snap?
4: I, I will. I didn't... I, go ahead, Pair. Oh, no, I didn't expect this update. I was going to say, like, I was so surprised that um, this wasn't a one-and-done game and, like, kind of a small summer release. They actually added more content for free. It's really, really cool. I will, I will definitely go back.
3: Seems better supported than Animal Crossing at this yeah.
1: point. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I do. I do want to mention. I think some, at least some of the footage from this new content update was included in some of the first couple of trailers for n- New Pokemon Snap. So some people think that they couldn't possibly finish. couldn't finish it and then just kept working on it after the game and then released it after the fact. But,
4: but- but to their credit, they didn't they didn't announce this game was saying and more levels are coming later. So they weren't trading on that and Mm-mm. instead just kind of, you know, released it and then added more. I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool as well. And also, I don't think I th- I took New Pokémon Snap as a completed game as it was. I don't think it needed more content. There's so much stuff to do in that game, and still, so many th- things I never discovered even in just the base game. So it's very cool that we have even more, and it's being being tiny is very charming. Yes, the uh, the Neo, the Neo One can shrink in this game now. It's very cool. Also, I we probably just should have mentioned this earlier, but there has been an Animal Crossing data mine that once again confirms. Or not confirms or just suggests that there's a potential cafe coming and fans are hoping that Brewster will come back
3: we've been doing this for like a year i know (laughs) we've been speculating (laughs) on the return of Brewster just bring back Brewster now if I, i haven't played animal crossing in a couple months i would love to go back and see my island and see how overgrown it is and have all of my villagers be like oh where did you go but if they would let me actually build new buildings, including a cafe, I would definitely come back. Because I one of my big problems with that game right now is I have fully built out my island. It is very nice to stroll around on it and everything, do the occasional holiday event, pick up the odd item. But it doesn't feel like I have anything to work toward anymore. Now, I don't feel bitterness because I did get 500 hours of enjoyment <laughs> out of sculpting my island and building it out and getting all of my villagers and everything it was an amazing experience but yeah if they want me to come back they're just going to have to give me something to actually build
2: yeah it's weird i fall into this trap too that i think a lot of fans do where we criticize new horizons for not still entertaining us a year and a half later it's like we wouldn't expect that of almost any other game but this one we're like oh it wasn't that good i only played it for 115 hours (laughs) before i dropped (laughs) off like yeah Yeah. Uh,
3: it's because we treat it like a service game right yeah, yeah, we do.
1: But thank you, everyone, for talking about the news with me. Now I want to talk about with what we've been playing. But before we segue into specifically what we've been playing, I just wanted to mention real quick that the Ace Attorney Turnabout Collection is available this week. And I didn't realize that this was coming out, but is Ace Attorney Chronicles and Ace Attorney Trilogy together for $60. So mm. five games for 60 bucks. Is it worth it, Logan?
2: Yeah, it's worth $120. It's worth $200. They're, they're so outstanding, especially those first three. Uh, if you go and dive into those, if you never played them, they honestly have kind of ruined other visual novels for me just because I think the gameplay is so much better than it is in other visual novels I've tried. So, yeah, go try them out. Uh, they're great. Play the. I would definitely recommend the original trilogy first. I do think they're the better games, but if you get super into the series, then to be able to hop right into The Great Ace Attorney. Yeah, now we just need four, five, six, on switch i don't know why they haven't brought those over yet but yeah that's that's what's next
1: thank you so now let's actually get into what we've been playing Per let's start with you
4: well great ace attorney chronicles got my visual novel fix there too uh and then i'm still playing skyward sword um You know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm like 35 hours in or something. And almost at the end, uh, I, you know, like I have newfound appreciation for it. Honestly, there, there, there's still the same issues that we described on our first impressions, um, episode, you know, with, with motion controls, but when, when, when they work, it's just really special. And the other thing that in replaying I'm discovering is, you know, replaying it post Breath of the Wild, like how how many elements have informed breath of the wild's development and have made breath of the wild a better game and that's you know obviously you know the obvious things like the stamina meter when climbing mm-hmm. and all these little elements and skyward Sword. but even dousing in the game it, it, it was a it was a bit of a pain in the butt and a bummer in this one but like it returned in breath of the wild in a simpler way that you could tell where the uh, where the shrines were nearby and all of that like it it is now I'm seeing it as a necessary step in the, uh, in the evolution of Zelda more than just kind of like this dead end of, um, ideas that would ultimately be abandoned. And then, man, the, the, the temples, the, the, Puzzle design is just really, really good, and like the later um, mind scenes where you know you're following a, a, a time stone in a cart that changes the environment, and you have these two time zones coexist, and monsters turn to dust and come back. It's just so good, like that stuff. I wish there was was a time stone concept in Breath of the Wild in some fashion to bring back that like light dark world aspect from like Link to the Past or Skyward. So it's really, really cool.
1: Like we'll get we'll into see that in Breath of
4: the Wild too. Yeah, probably <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. No,
1: I think I think calling it a necessary step is just such a great point. They there were so many really great concepts in this game, like you pointed out. But for the, I'm glad they got rid of the motion controls for Breath of the Wild. How Have you been playing it with the motion controls or with the stick controls?
4: I was, I, I was, um, I flew to LA uh, a week ago and played it on the plane with the stick controls. And I, I thought it worked reasonably well, but it, I still prefer the motion controls. The problem with the game is that Nintendo wanted it to be the ultimate motion control game experience. And so there are motion controls for everything, like pulling the sword out of the ground. And you're like, oh, what do you want me? Oh, you want me to hold it upside down? Like it's all these, like making you jump through hoops to do very simple things that shouldn't be events in the game um but like uh when they work they're really good and i prefer the motion control stuff by the way one thing i don't know if anybody else has experienced this but like the zelda joy-con seemed to desync more often than yes i'm right like yeah um, right. I've, specifically
1: I've, with my right joy-con
4: there might be something to these guys. Like a, mm-hmm. a fan pointed this out and I hadn't had that issue, but now that I've been playing more with uh with motion controls, I do notice them getting not just de- desynced where you have to center again with Y, but just basically have, having to re-add the, the Joy-Con to keep on playing. Oh, like that's I have
3: yeah, well, breaking news in real time. I feel like this is I something I need to investigate as a I, senior news editor at IGN.
4: So um and and the fan who wrote in said he tried it with two, I think with two sets, no, he compared his Joy-Con to others and didn't have the desync on his older set. So,
1: you know, I had, I actually had that problem with my Monster Hunter, um, Joy-Con recently as well. So Mm. maybe I have to, I have to go get my, my old green Joy-Con and mess with that and see if it happens. Because it was, um, with the, the Monster Hunter controllers, it was with the Monster Hunter Joy-Con when I was playing Mario Golf Online and it desynced. Yeah. Like I was sitting, I was sitting, like, I mean, I can, I'm close enough to the Switch and the dock and stuff that I can reach it in front of me and it's still huh. the right Joy-Con just yeah. desynced.
4: It's all anecdotal, <laughs> obviously, and it. Yeah. You, you never know. It might be a software issue, but maybe, mm-hmm. maybe one of the fixes, you know, like obviously they got that extra piece of, uh, of tape underneath the stick. Maybe, maybe they... Some of the design changes have caused some unexpected issues but like i usually don't spot this because i play pro controller all the time Mm -hmm. and this game is one of the first where i go back to holding joy-con so i would have to compare to some of the other um later joy-con releases and see
1: yeah i've been i've been using the joy-con so much more than the pro controller which it should be the other way around usually with my habits but i found joy-con so much more comfortable to use for like long hours at a time than a traditional controller, and I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, man, I have a lot of problems with them.
4: <laughs> I, I think I'm getting bird wrist though from Zelda. Like, I don't think the motion oh, no. controls are, are comfortable for the bird flight sequences. Mm. Um, bird
3: wrist—that's a new thing. It's bird wrist. <laughs> yeah, it's like ah.
2: yeah. That's what bird I was gonna quality. say. Is that. I haven't I haven't played Skyward Sword HD. From what I've seen, what I really wanted them to add was a hybrid mode where you can swing the sword with the Joy-Con, but do everything else with buttons. Like I don't need to balance <laughs> with with the Joy-Con when I'm walking across a rope. I don't need the to worst. The yeah, worst. I don't need to do any of that stuff. I don't need to roll by shaking the the Joy-Con. I, I wish it was like a hybrid, just sword motion, everything else buttons, and if it was customizable like that. I think that'd be a lot better. Yeah.
4: They went overboard. They really wanted to demonstrate it when, you know, Mm -hmm. it it would have been better if it was a little bit, the motion controls were reduced. And I I mean, I would love to see them tackle motion controls again in a future game and see at least as an option, see if they can build something around that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe we Sports will come back.
3: I reviewed Skyward Sword back in the day. And two things. One, I actually kind of liked the motion controls at the time. I thought they were like, wow, this is like what I had always imagined that the Wii could actually be in terms of the motion controls. But yes, you're right. They did go completely overboard cuz they were desperate to sell the notion of the Wii being a motion control driven machine, and it just goes to show kind of what a gimmick the Wii ultimately was back uh in the day. I'm not afraid to say it. The yeah. Wii was yeah, a think, gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe totally.
1: for Skyward Sword was trying to sell the the new attachment for it as well that made it more accurate so i it kind of yeah, made I a match that, a game for that
4: that that seemed like it was a necessary fix to make it work properly right mm-hmm. but like i would love to see wii sports as a collection return or wii sports resort and just like because w- when it's when it's more focused um the motion control stuff can be really fun and it obviously makes for really cool puzzle design like when it works The like drawing the shapes or slicing at the enemies—it's just really it feels different from every other game.
3: It was an an anecdote, a little bit to the Breath of the Wild, because a lot of people were displeased with the actual like big dungeons. So Scarlet Sword is like the er example of the traditional Zelda game to the point that it's surprisingly linear. And Breath of the Wild, of course, was a complete one eighty in that regard. And the rumor that I've always heard is that, I mean, of course, Skyward Sword came out the same year as Skyrim, which, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, Nintendo noticed how popular Skyrim was. and went, maybe we should do that. (laughs) Hence Breath of the Wild. Huh. There you go. Oh,
1: man. Well, I I kind of wanted to reminisce about the the Wiimote Plus for a little bit, but I just remember. (laughs) So there were other games that needed it. And I don't I'm not totally sure why, but the Resident Evil um, Chronicles, like Umbrella Chronicles and Dark Side Chronicles games needed the plus. And I yeah. wanted to play that game because it was co-op. And I remember going to four different GameStops trying to find this thing.
3: It was a good that. Wii remote. It was a Zelda Wii remote that came with Skyward Sword, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly, that yeah. had Ooh. the motion plus mm-hmm. actually built in.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I had that and I loved it, but I wanted to play this co-op game that needed another one. <laughs> man, it was a it
3: was Oh, a what a nightmare those uh, Wii remotes were.
1: <laughs> no, anyway. Logan, um, have you been playing any other games besides the great Ace Attorney
2: Chronicles? Nope, just Ace Attorney.
1: Perfect. We've <laughs> already talked it.
2: <laughs> Don't mess yes. with it. <laughs> Very much.
1: <laughs> and Kat, it looks like we've been playing the same
3: games. Oh man, are you playing Pokemon
2: Unite? What I'm is your name?
1: I well, I mean, I did main uh, Eldegoss. I don't know if I'm going to want to anymore after the nerf that's coming.
3: (laughs) Uh, The nerf is out and everybody's Uh. playing Charizard and Charizard seems very strong, though it seemed to glitch Gengar because I believe the Hex attack like actually uh, the 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 cooldown was actually broken, maybe by the patch. And I actually jumped into Pokemon Unite this morning and I saw a message saying, yeah, there's a bug with the current patch. We're sorry for that.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, I haven't played since the patch came out, so I'm not sure. Uh, But in some, so Eldegas, I don't know. This is in the weeds. I don't know if anyone actually cares about the buffs and nerfs, but Charizard got buffed uh, all across the board. And I think they did nerf Gengar's most powerful move, but they buffed some of his other moves, so he's not all around nerfed. But a lot of people were calling for Aura and Gengar to be nerfed because they thought they were too strong. Kat, do you think they needed to be nerfed?
3: I don't know about that, because I think the thing is that those games, those two characters had a very specific play style. And if you just try to go in and attack people straight up, you're probably going to lose for the most part. You have to really ambush people with both Gengar or Zero Aura because they're very fragile characters. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe it was less that they needed to be weakened and more that Characters like Venusaur and Charizard in particular need to be strengthened because they weren't being used basically at all in ranked mm-hmm. play. Um, I personally am a Alolan Ninetales main. And I also really like Alolan Ninetales. How yeah, so much fun to use because you can freeze enemies and, <laughs> and everything like that. So I'm up to expert in ranked mode. And unfortunately, I've hit a bit of a wall because I... I'm not playing with a pre-made group. I keep running oh, into yeah. pre-made groups and people don't know what the actual strategy is. So it'll be like, okay, folks, it's time to go get Zapdos. We I need was... to go get Zapdos. You're not <laughs> going towards Zapdos. What is going on? And then, ah, and then they just dunked 300 points on us. Great. Okay.
1: I had a friend who was just playing their last match to get, is there, is there, is there one after Expert? Is there a master yeah, ball. Yeah, class? there's
3: veteran yeah. and then there's Yeah, master. veteran.
1: Okay, I think it was his his last one to get into veteran. But in his match, first he had someone go AFK and it was just gone for the whole match. Oh, gross. And then at the very end of the game, they were actually winning by a very large amount. Um and I my personal strategy if you're already winning by a really large amount, don't go for Zapdos first wait until the other team starts them and then kill them and steals out yeah. from them you but need have you, to, you need, do have to defend
3: yeah. like there's yes, going so to be a team fight it. at the end yeah
1: oh yeah 100 there will be but you don't have to go in there first get your and then your hp is down then you can get jumped because you don't need to risk it because you already have the most points but anyway a lot of people have different strategies but anyway basically back on gengar and their aura um man, I kind of like want to go all into Pokemon Unite strategy, and this is just not the place for it.
3: (laughs) No, let's do it. But I think uh, (laughs) Pokemon Unite, the thing that is still kind of keeping my attention is whether or not it's actually pay to win because um, when it came out, there Mm -hmm. were the held items which can be upgraded using in-game currency that can be purchased. And so people are going, okay, this game is clearly pay to win because if you don't upgrade your held items, you are far behind. Now, we're about two weeks in since Pokemon Unite launched. And so far, it doesn't seem to be a complete game breaker. But on the other hand, I am feeling the grind a little bit, trying to get my various held items leveled up. And all bets are off if we start getting new held items that are introduced that need to be leveled up. And that starts messing around with the ranked play and everything. So all I ask is, Tencent, please don't do that. Okay, you have a good (laughs) game going on right now please don't emphasize the monetized aspects it is a really fun game to play but i will totally bounce if they start making it a giant grind to be able to keep up with people who are actually spending money on this game
1: yeah i i feel like there are enough things that you can purchase in this game that don't affect your gameplay that would be plenty of incentive to spend money on it like you can you can buy things to make like your snorlax have an inner tube (laughs) <laughs> that's cool
3: I would, yeah I'd, there's I'd a lot of good cosmetics that. in this game actually yeah.
1: and and clothes and a bunch of other things like that and also you need you you can use in-game currency to unlock uh pokemon but you can also pay for that as well if you want to unlock more as it goes but yeah i just i just don't know how i feel about the item paying for the items uh in general as you said it, it is a huge grind i i've played for quite I've played quite a lot. I think I have like a hundred or more games and I've only been able to get one item up to level 20. Mm -hmm. And after that, it becomes so expensive. It's almost not even worth it.
3: And it kind (laughs) of is not even worth it because the increases from 20 to 30 really don't give you
1: a huge amount. Yeah, It doesn't change the main ability of the item. It only buffs it incrementally after that.
3: Yeah, it raises the stats um ever so mm-hmm. slightly. I think that it does actually really come down to skill ultimately because the stat increases that you get from the held items are quite incremental, but mm-hmm. it is again as something as I already said, something that I've been paying attention to because um I like this game a lot. I think that if you even if you don't like League of Legends, even if you don't like Dota This might be a game to like give a shot because it is a casual, very accessible uh, version of a MOBA. Matches only take like 10 minutes to actually complete, but it is quite strategic. It requires a lot of teamwork. I think the flow of the matches is a lot of fun. It's very well thought Mm -hmm. out. And I am just really dang impressed by this free to play Pokemon game that just came out that I never expected to actually be good but it turns out that actually Pokemon Unite is the game that I played the most this summer. Yeah.
1: I I also really want to praise how they handle online. Mm. It is it's just so good. So matchmaking only takes a couple of seconds. I've never really had a problem with that. And if you do have a connection error, you are able to load back into your game. So and that doesn't happen a lot with other I know this wasn't made by Nintendo obviously, but other Nintendo games like that is not an option. Like you get a disconnect error or your Joy-Con disconnects. You were kicked out of the game. You cannot join again. That game is lost. (laughs) And I I guess I'm talking specifically about Mario Golf and Super Mario Party. So I'm very glad that that doesn't happen with this game because, man, that would be really annoying to have to deal with that with a MOBA. But I am enjoying it. I think it's fun. And also back on... Kankar and there, or I just want to throw this out there. Their role is speedster, and in other MOBAs, which is a multiplayer online battle arena, that's also they would also be known as a jungler or an assassin. And if you take the assassin role, you really want to go up against opponents who have already been damaged, so that you can like sweep them up afterwards. That's their role, and they're squishy. And I think they are seen as overpowered because they're just
3: doing their jobs well. <laughs> yeah, they get a lot of kills.
1: Yeah, right. they get a lot of kills, but that's that's their role, is to get a lot of kills.
3: I d- so, actually don't dread Gengar and Zeraora. I dread Snorlax, because those things, yes. and Crustle. Because those things, if you see them sitting in the middle of a goal, you're like, well, might as well give up. Because as Snorlax, you can try to burst them down, but oh my god, it'll just flop down, and then it's yep. HP is going
1: whoop! <laughs> it's going to rest, and then yep. that's it. That's all you can do. Also, Snorlax is an awesome guard for... Zapdos, if Norlax knows the way the enemy team is coming from, it can just use its ability to block them from coming into Zapdos. <laughs> so, Snorlax is good. Anyway, thank Blastoise you for talking. Is coming out soon.
3: Yeah. Yes. Okay. Pokemon I'm Unite. Excited for Yeah.
1: I'm excited. I, thank you for talking with me so much about Pokemon Unite. I feel like we have not gone in an in depth discussion about it. Pokemon pals right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've also been playing Neo The World Ends With You, but I feel like we have talked about that one a lot on this podcast so far. Um, just general thoughts, Kat.
3: Oh, I really like it. It is really pretty. The soundtrack is amazing. Uh, it doesn't hit in the same way as the original The World Ends With You, because when the original The World Ends With You came out, I was still living in Japan and I was commuting through Shibuya every single day. And Shibuya was like my place. It was like my neighborhood. So I was like, oh my God, I love this game so much. Um, I talked about this a little bit on my other podcast. um, I was saying that The World Ends With You. I kind of wish that it wasn't in Shibuya. I wish that it had found a different area within Japan, maybe even a different area within Tokyo, maybe moved it over to Osaka or something like that. Because by putting it back in the same neighborhood, it does feel a little samey. I don't like the fact that it's based on uh, extra DLC from the that was released on The World Ends With yeah. You. Uh, but I do enjoy the combat system. I I do think that it is maybe an improvement on the previous game. So I'm not yeah. that far ultimately because Pokemon Unite is taking yeah. up a lot of my time. But Neo, the world ends with you. Uh, I like the first five minutes. I was like, oh okay, I'm in on this game. It's pretty, it's cool. I like it. it brings me back.
1: And I, I know I said previously I wasn't really feeling the combat system, but uh, Reb was right. Now that I have gotten a little bit into it, I've been able to play with the pins a little bit more and find combos. It just took a while for me to get there and to like experiment enough to figure that out. But I still kind of, I kind of like the stylus battle controls a little bit better than the uh, well timed. I. I want to call it, don't take it, don't take offense, but I want to call it well-timed button mashing.
3: (laughs) I mean, that's what it was like. I'm pretty sure that I left actual grooves in my Nintendo DS uh, playing the original game because I'd be like scribbling so hard with those pins.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, uh, Neo has a free demo. Pokemon Unite is free. I don't think the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles has demos up. But the next game I want to talk about does have a free demo, and we've already talked about it a ton, but Monster Hunter Stories 2 came out with its second content update, this time with a two three new monsters, two which you can get eggs for and create monsters out of, and the other which you fight to get new armor pieces. They're quite difficult. They're timed. They're very hard, but I had a lot of fun playing it, and I did get what... I wanted out of playing it last night. I do need to grind a little bit more to be able to take on Colvay Taroth because if you beat it in under 20 minutes, you get some super rare tickets, which you need to get super rare monsties, which are really strong. And that's really all you need to know about. But yeah, it's a Hellblade like Glavinus. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like Glav- <laughs> sounds like Monster Hunter, but you get Hellblade Glavinus, Bolt Reaver, Astalos, and then fight Colvay Taroth for the best fashion hunter outfits in the game, in my opinion. But there is more to nintendo voice chat this week we just talked about what we were playing and i already repeated those names but now let's play a different game called question block
2: that's not a game
1: first question from jonathan perry what is your favorite game that's been released for the switch that wasn't made by nintendo
2: oh story
3: monster hunter rise for sure yeah like monster hunter rise is probably my game of the year so far it is I've probably, I've put like 150 hours into that game. It is absolutely gorgeous on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, It's a really fun multiplayer game. I'm still playing it uh, on and off. I'm looking forward to more content updates, but I was really skeptical as to whether or not Monster Hunter Rise would be, or Monster Hunter would be able to translate as effectively to the Switch because I got my start on Monster Hunter World and I loved that game. It was beautiful. It's the kind of game that I, it's the kind of series that I like to enjoy on a big screen TV. I was like, oh, it's going to be such a downgrade on the Switch. No, no. Capcom did a phenomenal job with yeah. Monster Hunter Rise.
4: That's a great pick. Um, I, I hear you on Golf Story, too, Logan. That that That's a good game. It fizzled a little bit towards the end for me. My knee-jerk reaction is always to call it the Picross games, obviously, the Jupiter-made ones, Picross S-series. <laughs> good choice. But, but I actually have to go back to the OG. I still think SteamWorld Dig 2 is one of the best third-party games on this platform. And like, Yubi did a great job with Mario and Rabbits, but Steam World Dig Two is just like it's one of my favorite Metroidvania games, and I can't wait to uh, to see the inevitable sequel.
3: Here, did you play Steam World Heist? I did. I like that
4: game too. Oh, so good!
3: Like yeah. as XCOM style games go, it is beautiful.
4: Yeah, all all three Steam World. Oh well, the original came out too. All four Steam World games on the Switch are worth looking at, but I think Dig Two is just so great.
1: I mean, I think you can all guess what my answer is going to be, but it's definitely Monster Hunter Rise. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very good game. And Kat is right. Capcom worked magic and getting that to work on the Switch. Don't know how they did it, but they did it. And it's awesome. It's great. And everyone should go check that game
4: out. Actually, I thought you would say Slay the Spire. (sighs) Good
3: choice. Uh, Uh Here's the thing. We want to <laughs> differentiate. <so> different. <laughs> we want to differentiate between games that were initially developed with the Switch in mind versus okay. games that were ported. That's over. what I
1: was thinking of. Yeah, and I was like, well, and it's That's, like, well, Rise is coming cheating. out for the PC, but
3: it is eventually.
1: Eventually. Yep. <sighs> eventually, I don't know. Let's just keep it at Rise. Let's keep it simple. Slay the Spire close second. There we go. Maybe actually, I don't know monster hunter stories anyway let's go <laughs> to the next question this one is from viraj joshi and they ask what will metroid dread have to do so it stands out in a post hollow night and indie metroidvania world oh that's a good Tom. question
3: yeah,
2: because there have been so many of them <laughs> Yeah, I'm honestly worried that it's not going to and that people are going to walk away feeling a little disappointed in it is what what I think is going to happen with Dread. I think that Metroid was dormant for so long that other people went and did it better. And I think that Dread probably isn't going to hit the highs of some of those indie darlings that people love like Hollow Knight.
4: Yeah. I mean, like Dread is already like just from looking at the footage, it's fixing some of the issues I had with, you know, the, the, the last effort by Mercury Steam where like the kind of stop and shoot mechanics, like it does seem like it is faster. It flows better. It's got that, you know, it's got that kind of menacing element of something following you, which could make it really, really exciting, but could also make it really kind of tedious and like not give you enough rest. I'm hoping that the exploration aspect will be great. Like Metroid games, Prime, Super Metroid all had this great exploration where you run into dead ends and you know there's something beyond it and you have to figure out how to get there and, and come back. And I hope that they nail that. And then you know to beat Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight feels very different. Um, I actually think Hollow Knight had some issues with that kind of pacing getting you into the game. Like it did feel tedious with the kind of like having to chase down the the map a little bit more more of an kind of um obscure game whereas like uh I, I think Metroid Dread is not gonna step into those same pitfalls. Um I I uh I I would love the world to be connected and not separated by artificial like travel elements. That's like one of my least favorite game uh elements in in kind of Metroidvania so if if the areas are distinct and you have to take You have to travel between them. And Metroid did that with the tubes. You know, only so much game can fit in RAM. Hollow Knight did that with the the bug rides and all that. And I hope this is a 2D, like, open world kind of connected universe.
2: I also want a Nintendo game where they're not afraid to let you get lost. I feel like that is something Nintendo hasn't really been okay with in a really long time. And Samus Returns, I think, suffered from that a little bit even too. So yeah, uh, yeah it's just they, they never want you to be frustrated anymore when you play a game like Super Metroid. And you can get really stuck in that. And so yeah. that's something that, that I think makes the Metroidvania genre too. Because it makes you feel smarter when you figure it out yourself rather than the game really guiding you along. Like it did in Fusion, the last 2D Metroid we had. It's a great point, Yep. Yeah.
3: I think the main difference between Hollow Knight and Metroid Dread is going to be that Hollow Knight is a very combat focused game and especially when you're fighting the bosses and I'm not sure that has ever been the case with a Metroid series it's always been much more about atmosphere, exploration, figuring out how to get from point A to point B in a really special Metroid game which hopefully Metroid Dread will be will be able to capture that feeling.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't want it to be Hollow Knight. I want it to be Metroid.
1: We'll see. We'll see how it is. And I hope they do a very good job on it. And I hope it's one of my favorite games this year. But who knows? This next question is from Azure Sky. And they say, why do you think special edition switches have been so few in numbers? The 3DS seem to get a new one every few months.
4: They can't make them. It's, you know, we're not in a normal situation. Like, Nintendo's done reasonably well getting hardware on shelves. But, like, look, we, we were sharing slacks today about the damn bird amiibo, right? Like, even getting getting a plastic toy with a very common NFC chip uh, ordered is is difficult. And they have been shipping delays. I, I, I think that's just the, the thing. It's, like, it's very hard for them to even keep up with demand. But, you know, OLED is now shipping, you know, the OLED version is coming out, so... They're not going to stop issuing special edition stuff.
2: Yeah, and if you think I- of the Switch more as a home console instead, they've never really released that many special editions for their home consoles. There's a couple different colored Wii's. The Wii U had that Wind Waker one, but other than that, they pretty much stick to the basic ones. So I think Switch more falls in line on that side of things than the handhelds.
4: They're, really they're, they're coming.
2: Mm-hmm. They're, co- they're they're coming.
4: definitely going to do like different colored hardware. Like the Switch Lite already showed you that step, right? Yeah. Yep.
1: And for the 3DS, I think there were quite a few base colors, but I don't think there are that many special editions until you start considering the XL and the um, the yeah. new XL. God, yeah. I was like, what is that thing called? It's just the new XL. <laughs> um, so unless you count all three of the different 3DS iterations, there really weren't that many special editions. And I think the Switch is like Monster Hunter, Animal Crossing, They've got Diablo? Mario. Dragon Quest was Japan only.
3: There are three houses uh, one?
1: Was there a three houses one? It might have been. Uh, I think but that... there's Splatoon and Dragon Quest.
2: Hmm. The the yeah.
1: Smash, I Pokemon, mean, two Pokemon. Two Pokemon ones. I think there have been quite a few, but some of them have been Japan only. Yeah. But not as there aren't. Also, some of those special editions are kind of boring because they're just Joy Con colors. So can yeah. we even call those special editions? Well,
4: or, you know, like the, the Pokemon edition that came out in Japan is literally just, uh, you know, just a line of text on it and some, some silhouettes of the Pokemon on the Joy-Con. But yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> look, the, the more aggressive ones, like if you think of the, the Metroid design, 3, 3DS XL or the, um, you know, the Zelda golden ones, I do think mm-hmm. we'll get that. I think we'll get a completely golden Switch with golden Joy-Con and golden casing alongside the maybe Breath of the Wild, unless it clashes with the theme of that game. Yeah. Uh, and like they did one for Animal Crossing. I bet they'll do one for for Zelda and they'll do one for Metroid.
1: I think they'll have to do one for Zelda. I think Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. They will absolutely put out a special edition OLED. And then maybe I'll go against what I said about not buying one. We'll so. all be I mad. said
2: That's the only way I'm getting an <laughs> so OLED. You're not getting a, a Zelda
1: Switch Zelda OLED? No.
3: <laughs> Pulling out for that Switch Pro, I see. The moment- no,
1: it's just I just got the Monster Hunter Collector's Edition on. Uh, the
4: moment yeah. there's a Monster Hunter Rise 2 Edition, OLED, she'll go for it. i
1: Where's <laughs> Zelda? Where's Zelda? I yeah. don't know. If it's pretty enough, I will be tempted. But with that, that is about all we have left for this week's Nintendo voice chat. Logan, thank you so much for being on, and for being a wonderful production assistant. Where can people find you online?
2: You can find me at LoganJPlant on Twitter. And yeah, they're talking about Ace Attorney and how great it is.
1: Here, where can they find you?
2: At on Twitter at pure IGN
3: <laughs> and cat. Yes, please find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot.
1: Thanks, everyone, so much for joining me this week. And you can find me on Twitter at ShinyKCD. And remember, if you want to see NBC, head over to IGN Games' YouTube channel and check that out. And remember, if you have your own questions, you can always write to us at NBC at IGN.com or respond to the weekly question block posts on our Facebook group called Nintendo Voice Chat Podcast Forums on Facebook. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can.
2: Get the thing. It's the thing. Get the thing.